In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have to admit, when I hear the words, I believe, these days, what immediately is ringing in my ears is the soccer chant, I believe that we shall win. I believe that we shall win. So, but I do believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We say those words so easily, right? So quickly. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, when we're praying the rosary, beginning with the Apostles' Creed. Or even together, we can easily get into praying the Nicene Creed. Listen to a, an extended little quotation from a homily by St. Augustine. I believe in God the Father. Notice how quickly it's said and how much it's worth. He is God and he is Father. God in power, Father in goodness. How lucky we are to have discovered that our God is our Father. So let us believe in him and promise ourselves everything from his kindness and mercy because he is almighty. That's why we believe in God the Father Almighty. Nobody should say, he can't forgive me my sins. How can't he? He's almighty. And I say, but he's almighty. How can he forgive my sins? I've committed such sins as I can't possibly be cleansed and delivered from. And the reply is, but he is almighty. Notice what you sing to him in the Psalms. Bless the Lord my soul, it says, and do not forget his recompenses who shows himself gracious to all your iniquities, who heals all your weaknesses. That's the reason why we need him to be almighty. The whole of creation needs this, of course, in order to be created. He is almighty for making heavenly things and earthly things, almighty for making immortal things and mortal things, almighty for making spiritual things and material things. Almighty for making visible things and invisible things, great in the great things and not small in the least things. In a word, he is almighty for making whatever he has wished to make. Let me tell you how many things he cannot do. He cannot die. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. He cannot be deceived or mistaken. So many things he cannot do, but if he could do them, then he wouldn't be almighty. So believe in him and confess him. For with the heart, one believes unto justice, but with the mouth, one makes confession unto salvation. That is why once you have believed, you must confess when you give back the creed. So receive now what you are to retain, and afterward give back and never forget. The fatherhood of God is what sets us apart as Christians. It identifies the creator and the judge as the one who loves us more than anyone does. He's not the angry God whose, whose anger needs to be abated by blood. As much as he's God the Father who is willing to send his only begotten son to save us to suffer and die for us. The fatherhood of God identifies our relationship with creation and creation's relationship with the creator. 
The creator being father means that everything created is distinct. It's different from him. It's other than him. It's not made from the substance that he's comprised of. It's not as though we are all little instances of God, as though we're little God dust, in which case we would hug trees and not eat animals. But rather, he is our father, distinct from us. And that distinctiveness still leaves the imprint of his image and likeness. Consider how every human being made in the image and likeness of God means that every man is made for fatherhood. As the Holy Father noted in some widely published remarks recently, some men are deathly afraid of permanent commitment. And so there are some places where there will be Catholic men who they want their wife and they want their kids. They want to be daddy, but not forever. And so they don't get married in church. Either they don't get married at all, they just cohabit, or they get married uh, in the courthouse, a civil wedding, because they know they can just walk away from that. The church won't hold them accountable to that because the church won't grant them the dignity of being called husband and wife when it was just a civil wedding, when Catholics are involved. Ask any of our missionaries who have spent years working in Bonica in the Dominican Republic. It's an epidemic. They might have a handful of weddings per year. There are lots of babies. Consider how we can handle having a dad who's not perfect. And in fact, I think all of us have dads who aren't perfect, but we still adore them. We love them. But we can't handle a dad who says, one day I'm your dad, and the next day says, I'm not your dad. It's the permanence of fatherhood that means we can, we can trust. I'll need to forgive him at times. But I know he's always, I'm always in his heart, no matter what. Sadly, the way popular culture has reduced fatherhood to simply fathering, whereas motherhood and mothering are completely radically different, We recognize in Christ not just one who has created a sacramental order for Christians, but who reminds us of the original intent of creation and makes it very clear, if you divorce and remarry, that's adultery. Your love is irrevocable. Your promise, your responsibility can never be erased. And so there are a great many of us who need an adopted father, who need a spiritual father, who need a father figure. 
And every man needs to be challenged, every young man especially, needs to be doubly challenged to be the good man who can be the good father upon whom someone can rely always, no matter what. And so our younger men need to be challenged, encouraged, sometimes teased. Maybe they'll be a priest, but no matter what, they will be a father. Not a bigger boy with bigger toys, but a father. A father who sets aside all of his concerns and all of his ambitions and everything that he has belongs to the ones he loves. And it's in the Trinity and in the creed that we are about to profess that we see this spelled out perfectly. God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Everything that is the Father's is the Son's. We can follow the will of the Son and know that we are following the will of the Father. We can obey the word of the Son and know that we are obeying the word of the Father. Everything, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And then at the end of the gospel on Easter Sunday, we hear these frightening words. And that power over heaven and earth, he permits us to wield in the church. We wield God's power. We wield God's authority in limited ways. Honestly, when working with engaged couples, it's never terribly difficult to encourage them to embrace permanence. I'll usually phrase it with the word irrevocability. Because marriage isn't permanent in the sense that it goes on forever like your baptism and your confirmation. It, 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 it blossoms into seeing the face of God when one or both of you enter into eternity. Moreover, a natural marriage where husband and wife aren't both baptized and it's not a sacrament, but it's still a natural, real marriage, something which the church has the authority to dissolve. St. Paul talks about that in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7. So marriage is permanent in a properly understood way, but marriage is always, no matter what, always irrevocable. And what happens when the average couple coming into my office wants to get married, I ask them, so you want to, you want to be married for life, right? Of course, absolutely. And what should happen if something really terrible should take place? You've done everything you can to save your marriage, and the other person just does not want to be married to you anymore. Most of the time, at the first meeting, they say, well, I, I should be able to be married to someone that wants to be married to me. Not only is that not Christianity, that's not the order of nature. Not just because a promise is a promise, 
but because these two people have entered into an intimate relationship such that children are likely to come into the world who will always need not only mother and father, but mom and dad loving each other. Could be the case that something bad happens. Someone, let's say, for fear of presenting a hypothetical that's not worth our imagining. Let's say not a great sin happens, but someone bumps and turns into a monster. They hit their head and, they, and they're all of a sudden a terrible, violent person. Well, that person might have to live somewhere else, but that will always be the, your spouse. That will always be your children's parent. How is it easy to desire irrevocability? By recognizing that if you don't make the promise and burn the bridge and say it is us and that is it, we are the only ones who will ever be able to support each other, then it has a very, very good chance of working out. But if that promise isn't irrevocable, it is almost certain to fail. Saying, I love you, but if something really, really, really awful happens and I'm not to blame, then I have a second option, is exactly the same as saying, I'll love you so long as I want to. It just sounds less crass. We understand every human being, not just Christians, every human being was made to love in a way which is similar to the way that God loves us. Every human being was made to be great. Every human being was made to be heroic. Every boy was made to be a father. So let's pray for them. Pray for the ones who have great dads that they become like their fathers. Pray for the ones that don't, that they find a father who can lead them to become more like the image and likeness of the God who made us all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.